subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Our friend in Birmingham, Pat Smith, is radio on WJOX, joins us now. Pat, appreciate the time this morning. Who had a worse weekend, Alabama fans or New York Jet fans? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I would have said Alabama fans till last night in the fourth play of the Monday night football game. But, yeah, it's been... It's been a rough weekend. You know, Auburn went out to California. They got a win, but they look putrid offensively. Alabama loses at home, something that just has not happened very often during Nick Saban. So, yeah, it's been kind of a kind of a weird weekend of football in the state of Alabama. Saban hasn't lost a double-digit game at home since he was the LSU coach in 2003. That's how long it's been. That's again, it is insane to me. I, I, I want to ask you, you mentioned some of the games in Alabama, some of the teams in Alabama. Looking at the SEC overall, based on what you've seen through two weeks, is the conference down this year? Yes. <laughs> I can answer that pretty quick. I mean, you've got, what, nine matchups? with power five opponents in the SEC sitting there at three and six, where you've got LSU, Texas A&M, and Alabama all losing to power five opponents. No, I mean, that's just looking around the league, my initial reaction, knee buckle reaction after two weekends of football, I would say yes, Ty. I, I think the league is down. And it also goes back to the fact of the quarterback play. Uh, we all knew going into this year, outside of what you guys have in the state of Arkansas and a couple other places around the SEC, this was going to be a transition year from a quarterback standpoint. And obviously in our state, we knew with the transfer portal, that's what Auburn had to do to go get their starting quarterback. You had three or four guys compete for the starting position in Tuscaloosa during fall camp. So yeah, I would say right now through two weeks, and a lot can change. It's a lot long season left. But as of right now, yeah, I think it's down, and I think it starts with quarterbacks. Yeah, and I mean, quarterback issues, I'm sure, one of the top topics on on your show and your station. But I got to wonder about that Alabama defense right now, man. Uh, Give up 349 yards of passing to Quinn Ewers on Saturday, uh, 105 on the ground. It's not terrible, but uh, where is this Alabama defense in line with, with what we've come to know and expect from Nick Saban's teams? Well, that, that's been the issue. You know, last year, or well, the last couple of years, it was all about Pete Golding. You know, hey, you gotta get, you gotta get fired. You know, get him out of town. He ends up at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. You know, they went to Austin last year. Granted, I know that Quinn Ewers was injured in the first half, but they gave up almost 90 something yards less last year in Austin than what they did to Quinn Ewers in Texas on Saturday night. The biggest issue so far has been the last couple of years, you've had no push on the defensive front. Everything that was pressurized on the quarterback came from blitzes. And the other night, they literally had, I think they touched Quinn Ewers twice. I think that was the official pro football focus stat. Twice the defense, only two players, was able to actually put their hands on Quinn Ewers. No sacks, just those hurries, just the knockdowns. Meanwhile, Jalen Milrow was running for his life, so it's kind of the trench the trench play to us watching the game and reporting on it. That was the biggest issue because this Alabama offensive line, which is one of the biggest in the history of college football, people were going to talk about how they were going to be a Joe Moore finalist, all this kind of stuff. They did not get a push. They had a good first quarter. They outrushed Texas 2-1 to one in the first quarter, and then they kind of abandoned it, and then once Milrow threw the interception, things changed, but to go back to your original thought, the defense, without putting any pressure on a quarterback, it doesn't matter what level that you're playing in. It could be Arkansas high school football. You don't put pressure on that quarterback. He's going to be able to sit back there and absolutely pick things apart. And Quinn, you're a really good quarterback. Let's not forget he was a five-star. It was just the fact that he was injured last year and couldn't finish it out. But he was already lighting Alabama up last year before he got injured. So he just came to Tuscaloosa and just sat back there and was able to pick the poison and and throw down the field over the, the secondary that Nick Saban coaches. So 
yeah, a lot of a lot of hand wringing, a lot of question marks right now about what's going on with that defense. Had two gigantic losses in the Southeastern Conference so far. We talk about Texas and and Alabama the night LSU and Florida State. We were wondering yesterday. Is this a year of the league with a Georgia loss somewhere along the way gets left out of the playoff? And is, is there any path to two SEC teams in the playoff this year with what's unfolded already? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts is no. I'm going to go back to the original question Ty asked uh, about the league in general. I think the league is down. Uh, we actually had a couple callers yesterday because everyone still has hope. Everyone has seen this movie before, only twice in the history of Nick Saban in Alabama as he had an undefeated season. So Alabama is used to at least stubbing their toe once in a year and putting yourself in a position. But I go back to what you asked about the defense. That is the biggest problem. You know, Alabama, before basically they changed the way they recruited back in 2015, they had these big defensive linemen. They were slow. They were they were gap fillers. And then Hugh Freeze comes into Tuscaloosa. Ole Miss, with their hurry-up offense, they take care of business. They upset Alabama a couple times. And all of a sudden, Nick Saban changes to leaner, meaner, faster defensive linemen. And since then, you know, the defense may not have been as overpowering as it was when Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator, but you could still rely on it. The last couple of years, they can't get off the field on third down. So whether it's Pete Golding or this year, Kevin Steele, a lot of frustration by fans because they're still recruiting five stars. And the question is, why aren't these guys being developed to the level that they need to be? I mean, Will Anderson was a, a fantastic player, but we can all look at the numbers last year, and, and he did not have the numbers Took a drop. that everyone anticipated. Yeah, they dropped down. So, you know, him and Dallas Turner were supposed to be, you know, the bookends that, that caused havoc last year, and that just never materialized. We're talking with Pat Smith here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, where all guests join us. Again, six locations in Springdale and Benville. A never or a good deal is never too far away. Pat, again, continue with the SEC stuff. Last year, it took six wins for the SEC West LSU. Could you see a scenario where it's five wins get you to Atlanta in the West this year? I, I, I do, because based on what we've seen so far, I mean, LSU's got issues. Bama's got issues. I think that just opens the door with Texas A&M, what happened down in Miami. You know, forget about, you know, Petrino being the OC. Talk about Durkin as the, the D.C. You know, they couldn't stop, you know, a Miami team that looked feeble last year offensively. So, yeah, I think it's wide open. And I really do because there there are too many wards on the so-called upper echelon. You know, when we left Nashville, everybody said, well, it's, you know, it's either going to be Bama or it's going to be LSU. Well, you know, after the first couple of weeks, I think everybody can make a whole list of things that's wrong with LSU and a whole list of things that's wrong with Alabama. So to me, yes, Ty, I think this thing is going to be wide open in the SEC West, and you might end up getting uh, a surprise team in Atlanta. You know, the, the one thing that, that Georgia has going for it on the other side and we talked about it in, in Nashville, is the fact that because their schedule is so pathetically weak that they could sit there and they basically treat all these games like preseason games. <laughs> and they can get the quarterback right. They can get the offensive line, the new young guys that they're putting on defense. You know, They can get those things right by playing these practice games. Meanwhile, almost everybody else in the league, I mean, they've got some, some serious tests at the first part of the season. And, you know, these teams have got to be ready to go, you know, way early than what Georgia does, by, you know, about midway through the season. So, long answer to your question, but yes, I do think that the SEC West is open. And you could see a team that does not have the most stellar record that we've seen in the past. It's kind of ironic, the final year of division play in the SEC West that has been the best division since 1992 competitively may be the weakest it's ever been. Pat, on, on that subject, we've got three conference games this weekend. I think Georgia absolutely mauls South Carolina and Athens. But I'm a little more curious to what happens in Starkville when LSU head, heads in there and then also in Gainesville when Tennessee heads to the Swamp. How do you see those two games shaking out Which, as we get going in conference play in week three? I think it's dangerous for LSU. I really do because uh, there, there were things – um, I know Will Rogers is not, uh, he did not go crazy over the weekend against Arizona, but one thing's for sure, 
LSU's got secondary issues, and that's mm-hmm. kind of odd to be able to say that just because you know they clout that their DBU. Um, they've got issues there, so you know, can Will Rogers, which we've seen in the past, be able to light them up? I think that's a very interesting game. Meanwhile, I think Tennessee. I know it was Austin P last weekend. I, I don't really put a lot of stock in what we didn't see with them. I think this Florida program is literally on the ropes, and so to speak. I think Billy Napier's trying to get a, at least another year. I'm not saying they're going to fire him, but listen, talking to people down in the state of Florida, they're, they're extremely concerned about the way in the progression of this program right now. So Tennessee goes in there. I think they take care of business. But Tennessee continues their march to come into Bryant-Denny Stadium later in October. Then, of course, their big game at the end of the year against Georgia. Tommy, they have not won in the swamp in like 20 years. So we'll see. I mean, if you don't do it now. Yeah, what are you going to do? It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's what we say about exactly. Arkansas. Yeah, if you don't do it now. Arkansas's <laughs> never won in there, Pat. So they, yeah. I, I've, I've said if they can't beat them this year, they're never going to win in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Yeah, so maybe Georgia, yeah, Georgia can start it. Arkansas can finish it off. Hey, what's going on down on the Plains? Had a change at quarterback on the trip out to California. Um, Hugh Freeze, I think, is quietly uh, building some uh, a team that may not be a contender necessarily for the West, but uh, Pat, I think a team that maybe could upset and still rechart or reshape how the West uh, will line up at the end of the year. No doubt. No question. Uh, we've been thoroughly impressed with what he's been able to do. The biggest question for us was not the quarterback situation, but the fact that they had 40 new guys on the roster. You know, how are these guys going to be able to mesh? You know, what are they going to be able to do? And listen, Coach Hugh Freeze, the one thing that I will give him credit, and obviously not covering him on a daily basis when he was at Ole Miss, I had respect from afar, but listening to him almost on a daily basis, he's an extremely honest coach. And I know you guys get that with Sam Pittman. We obviously don't get that with Nick Saban or whoever has followed or been before uh, um, Hugh Freeze at Auburn. But he was very open yesterday. He said, you know, offense was awful. Um, you know, we're going to have to to relook at what we're doing offensively. Um, Peyton Thorne didn't throw the ball well. He's just he's like, I'm not being ugly towards my quarterback, but I'm just being honest with you all, which is which is crazy. He's even let people watch practices and stuff. So, I mean, it's it's very odd the kind of the access that that we've been given to this Auburn football program. But he is very slowly being able to repair those relationships in the state of Alabama when it comes to high school football. He's already flipped a Georgia five-star to Auburn. He flipped an Alabama five-star to Auburn. This guy is going to wreak havoc when it comes to recruiting in our part of the world in the SEC. And Auburn fans are extremely excited. But I do believe they're going to get this thing turned around from an offensive standpoint because Hugh Freeze is too good of an offensive play caller. They'll get it figured out. But, yeah, I think they will be a team that will will beat one or two teams that people are like, oh, wow, I cannot believe that just happened. But that's him building this program to SEC caliber because Brian Harson ran into the ground, and if Harson would have stayed, it would have put Auburn back at least five years. It just feels like one of those years where the Iron Bowl could be a wild one, and, oh, yeah. and Auburn could could certainly wreck any plans that Alabama may have at the end of the year. It just feels like one of those uh, one of those scenes setting up here. Yeah, well, I will tell you this. I think based on the reaction yesterday – on our fans, on Twitter, and our text line, and everything in the world, I think Alabama would love to be able to get to the Iron Bowl and still be in the conversation because I'm telling you, I've never, I mean, covering this program as long as I've covered it, and especially during Nick Saban, you would have thought that Mike Shula was back being the head football coach at Alabama (laughs) yesterday. It was almost like Nick Saban has forgotten and he has done nothing for this Alabama football program. So I think Alabama fans would love for the Iron Bowl to absolutely mean something. But right now, there's the confidence level is something that I have not seen since 2007. It's good to hear there's no overreactions then. I'm glad they're all on level <laughs> level ground with level heads. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Pat. I, I thought that was just Well, you know, one thing's, for sh- one thing's for sure, guys. It helps pay my mortgage. So you know what? I'm, I'm okay with hey, that. Pat, last thing before we let you go. Does Bama make a quarterback change these next couple weeks? Uh, I tell you what, I think this weekend you're probably going to see a, a soft audition. I think Milroe is still going to be the guy, supposedly on paper, number one. But I think Tyler Buckner is, let's just say, he's in the bullpen. He is ready for the call. He's ready to come out. 
Well, we appreciate your time this morning again. Pat Smith joining us, co-host of Three Man Front in Birmingham on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Pat, we really appreciate the time. Can't wait to see you in Tuscaloosa in October. I cannot wait to see that game at Bryant Diddy Stadium. Oh, it's going to be fun. Thanks, boys. Always enjoy it. Couple notes I want to get into here as we're uh, closing out this segment here on a Tuesday. If you want to jump in with us, feel free to on the McCarty Daniel Hotline again. All guests and listeners join us via call, via text. Got the announcement yesterday out of Birmingham, Arkansas LSU, yep. six p.m. next Saturday night. ESPN big time game coming to Death Valley. About where we thought they'd be. We thought yesterday morning based on. The way things were lining up, it would be a 6 o'clock game. We weren't sure of where it would be televised, but ESPN was our guest, and that's a – rarely we were right on guessing these. I, I'm about 50-50 on these things, and uh, we were right on it I'll give time. you. I'll give you credit. You went down the list. You laid out the, the different, again, thoughts on, hey, this is where this is going to be, and you were spot on. I thought it was possibly going to be an 11 a.m. game. I was like, there's no way they'll give it a 2.30. That'll go Alabama Ole Miss. And I was thinking, maybe they put it at 11 a.m., but I'm happier. I will say this. Arkansas would have a better chance to win if it was 11 a.m., but personally, getting to see the first game ever in Death Valley for me, I mean, you got to watch it at night, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to see it. Even though Arkansas, I, I am full full disclosure, Arkansas has a better chance to win if it's 11 a.m., but again, 6 p.m. next yeah. week. I thought they put Georgia at 11 in that game just to, to showcase the number one team. They're going to play at 6.30 that night, so Auburn and A&M get that early 11 o'clock slot I was talking about. That's probably a more competitive matchup. I think you got to rethink, if you're the networks, how you do that now with the way Fox is doing things, and they have yep. Colorado now. ESPN last night, Monday Night Football, I bet they promoted Colorado coming up back-to-back weeks on their air 10 times throughout that game. They know the power of Dion, and we're already seeing how how networks promote differently because of, because of Dion. So, so think about this, Tommy. Colorado and Colorado State's game day this week yeah. in Boulder. The game's not kicking off until, I think, 930 I think that's right. It's 10, 1030 East. Eastern, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 930 our 930. time. Think of how long of a day that is for Herb Street, who gets there again at the crack of dawn. and then right, just, Now, are they calling that game, or will he go to a different game? I guess he doesn't always a, call the game. That is that. A, that's for, a good point. He'll be on the a, good point. He'll be on the ABC broadcast, whichever game that is, But because I think that one's on ESPN. But that's a, that, I mean, there wasn't any good week three games. They didn't have any ranked matchups mm-hmm. to choose from. That's the story in college football right now. Clemson and Florida State play next weekend. They already announced that's going to be an 11 o'clock game, which kind of stinks. I was hoping that for it to be a night game. But week four, Tommy, we got Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, Florida State, there's a couple good, of course, Arkansas LSU, a couple good SEC matchups. You mentioned Auburn, Texas A&M. Week four is going to be fun for college football. Cannot wait for that. Yeah. You got the Bama-Ole Miss game, as you mentioned, at 2.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arkansas and LSU, I'm just trying to scroll through. There's really, I mean, Mississippi State at South Carolina. That's going to be an evening game. So, I mean, it it's just kind of a ho-hum week. Yeah. I mean, Arkansas, LSU is good. Bama, uh, Ole Miss is good. I like that early Auburn A&M game. So there's three three games, 11, 2.30, and then the night game with Arkansas. You can kind of line your day up. Plus, again, the, the ACC matchup of Florida State and Clemson. Ohio State, Notre Dame, and I think there's a good Pac-12 matchup or two that day as well. So you got a full slate of college football for Week Four. But as far as this game goes, this weekend, Rocket Sanders is out against BYU. We heard Coach talk about that at the top of our open. Dwight McLaughlin looks like he's coming back, according to Coach's comments. We'll have to wait and see. We'll get another update from Coach on Wednesday, three separate occasions when he meets with the SEC teleconference his Arkansas local media session, and then later that night on Sam Pittman Live. I don't know if you have to have Dwight McLaughlin to win this weekend, but you sure need him to win next weekend. Oh, I, I mean, um, I think that's one reason when guys are iffy or close or whatever, you can hold them out. You, you feel like you've got that luxury. I don't know that you have as much buffer this week as you've had the previous two weeks. I, I'm expecting, I mean, the, the lines on the bet series are, what, 10, 10 and a half, I think, mm-hmm. the last we looked, so... I mean, this isn't going to be an easy ball game by any stretch. It's steadily going down. Yeah. Not, not that much, but it's like nine now. Okay. Is it down to nine? I think, but, but point is, I mean, you heard it in Coach's comments earlier. We knew we were going to win the game. Let's try some other thing with our run fits and try to get some things going. Uh, it was a conversation he's talking about with Dan Enos during that game. I don't know that – my point is I don't know if this game's going to lend itself to that kind of luxury you've had in the first two weeks where you can make decisions on guys – 
based on that. William texts in. He thinks Nudie should rest this week yeah. to heal his church. Again, this is something that lingers. Darren McFadden had it when he was with the Oakland Raiders for a while. I'm hoping he can get over it. But for any, and I think we talked about a little bit this yesterday, it's, it's something that hopefully will not stay with him the rest of the season you mentioned coach Pittman there I want to do I do want to play this sound bite real quick he was talking about again running the football and what it takes to do that you still got to run the football to win games in the SEC just might look a little bit different but if you're not having the threat of throwing the ball which we took away then you're going to get a loaded box and that's what happened then it becomes frustrating because you know I said I've never been around a team that couldn't run inside zone and we haven't had success with it and it's either we're not getting the movement our fits aren't good it's kicking outside to an unblocked safety so all those things we went in depth with yesterday about how, how can we give our kids the best way of of winning and it doesn't necessarily have to be running the football but you have to run the football to win in my opinion and mm-hmm. i know chuck said this and he's spot on before he said this before sometimes you pass the ball to set up the run now this football team under Bryles ran the ball to set up the pass we might see the opposite this year or you know don't know i can't say that 100 percent certainty yet but there at least is some truth to that possibly being the case in 2023 so are these things they can't do are these things they're just not doing very well right now kind of latter yeah i mean are these things you can fix and correct because, I mean, everybody wants to, to cast the die that this is what the team is and, and, and do that with Alabama, do that with Arkansas, do that with everybody. And yeah. it's, it's just foolish talk to do that. But, you know, I can't dunk a basketball. For those that can, they can get better at dunking a basketball. There's nothing I can do to get better at that. Are there problems in this run game that, hey, we just don't have the personnel to fix all of that? It didn't sound that way from the way Sam laid it out there. Is it a simple fix is what I'm wondering. Like, well, I mean, Even if it's not simple, is it possible? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Before we get into our Pradco Pyramid of Power, let's just kind of recap some of the games from this weekend. One we haven't mentioned to this point was Tyler Van Dyke in Miami just opening a can of you-know-what on that Texas A&M defense and DJ Durkin, who had no answers for Miami's offense, who, by the way, was not good last year. That might have been the most surprising outcome. I expected Texas to win that game. I was more surprised how A&M could not stop Miami this weekend. I, a little surprising. I, I kind of felt the same way, Ty, but, uh, you know, Miami looked like they had better athletes in the mm-hmm. second half. A little faster football, uh, you know, wasn't the crowd. I mean, it's half full. <laughs> yeah. But they, they look they look like they had a little better speed in the second half. because yeah, Petrino's offense had, what, 600 yards or something like 330, 336 through the air and 270 on the ground. I mean, they were... 
Um, offense was not the issue. They scored 33 points, but you know that that should be enough to keep you in the ball game. They weren't in the ball game in the fourth quarter. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Wyan and I were in Longview, Texas, tailgating before the Hendricks College game at East Texas Baptist. That game, the Texas A and M Miami game, wasn't on TV in Longview, Texas. Really? Someone came up and asked him to turn it on in the second quarter. And I'm thinking, man, you're here in the heart of East Texas, and no one cares. And it was packed. There were people watching other games, but just not that one. Not that one. Hmm. Seemed like everybody was watching Colorado and uh, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But Texas fans started coming in probably about four o'clock for their game. But the A&M fans, I don't know if they just don't live out there or they don't care or what, but that was interesting to me. I was watching in the press box that game and then also the Ole Miss and Tulane game where Ole Miss had a couple turnovers to help secure that victory. That was a really tight game until about the fourth quarter, and then they just ran away with it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that was an entertaining game. Uh, Tulane obviously didn't start their starting quarterback and then, uh, you know, looked like it was going to be a shootout. A couple touchdown drives and the – first quarter and uh you know kind of game kind of lost its way and then picked up the second half but i thought old Miss looked great you know a, a win against a ranked team on the road in a really a raucous stadium wasn't a huge crowd but it, it was packed well and it's probably the best sec win of the weekend it had to be i mean with, with alabama losing and a&m losing there there would be really no other Another place to look as far as good win. I think it's a good win Judkins, on the road. Judkins hadn't even gotten rolling yet, and uh, Lane Kiffin and, no. and them are going to be rolling. 48 yards. Yeah, so yeah. that's something that they're expecting. On 18 carries, by the way. Somebody else is going to sneak up and be first-team all-SEC running back if these two cats don't watch it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's not wild. The other two games that kind of flew under the radar before we get into our rankings, Mississippi State wins it overtime at home against Arizona, 31-24. Zach Arnett's defense forces five turnovers in that football game. It's not like Will Rogers was just going up and down the field. I was more credited to their defense. And then Auburn narrowly squeaks out a win against Cal and Berkeley. That game was late. That was a 9-30 start out there in California, but they went 14-10. to 10. I actually watched some of that game, and it looked like the same old Auburn. It looks like they got, you know, athleticism at quarterback, not a lot of uh, accurate throwing. I think I think offensively it's going to be tough, but defensively uh, they, they look great against Cal. And that, and that crowd was into it out there. It was. All right, let's go and get into That's kind of a recap of the games this weekend. Time to look ahead to week three as we get into our Pradco Pyramid of Power. Who are the best football teams in the SEC? SEC! SEC! Let's find out. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. This is the Pradco Pyramid of Power. Well, I'm hoping in week three that some teams start to step up and declare their spot. Make make it known where they belong in the Pradco Pyramid of Power. There's a lot of default, I think, this week, particularly as we get down to the bottom of the pyramid. It's pretty obvious Georgia stays at the top. They're 2-0. They beat... Uh, uh, Ball State 45 to there. I was trying to come up with some other smart aleck name, but they had played nobody. Will play <laughs> not much of anybody. They do get South Carolina this Saturday, but uh, hard to take George off the mountaintop, guys, uh, at 2-0 and in a, in a convincing win over Ball State. Wouldn't it have been great to have seen Georgia play Oklahoma last week like they should have? That that would have been a... Yeah. We, we would have a different conversation today. You'd feel a lot different about, about Georgia and moving forward. I don't... You know, they play South Carolina Saturday at 2-30. I think... It may not be forty-five to three, but if you told me it's forty-five to thirteen, about the same, I'd, yeah. I'd say it's that's about right. Is that Oklahoma Texas going to be a game? They've they've looked pretty decent through two weeks of football. Now they played SMU twenty-eight eleven. Yeah, Arkansas State. I mean, yeah, I mean it's always a game. I mean, there's so much emotion, half and half crowd in Dallas, but I think Texas favored by fifty-six percent. That's the only game they're uh, less than eighty percent favored to win the rest of the year. Wow. All right, Georgia at the top. Now, we got some movement on the second tier of the Pradco Pyramid of Power. I'm moving Tennessee over to the number two spot at 2-0. and They beat Austin P. I thought it was a sluggish performance from your team this week. I, I wonder if they were looking ahead to Florida. We were kind of chatting about that earlier. But Tennessee gets it done. Joe Milton, 21 of 33, had uh, 228 yards and uh, two touchdowns uh, through the air. They play Florida like we're talking Saturday night at 6. Tennessee right now I think is the second best team in the SEC. 
You know, I'm I'm probably like Ty. Uh, I get emotional. I get negative. I took Tennessee off the second and third. I took them off the second tier. I got wow. I got Ole Miss there. <laughs> I thought Ole Miss. I thought Ole Miss looked great. Really? Uh, on the road, yeah. Right. On the road uh, at Tulane. Uh, even though they didn't have Michael Pratt at quarterback, uh, you know, I think Lane Kiffin's offense, 37 points on the road against a ranked opponent. I thought, considering the competition, they look great. All right. Well, see, that was, to me, moving Tennessee over to the number two spot was easy. The hard part was, and I think you already answered the question, should it be Bama or Ole Miss next? I kept Bama there. I still think Bama's better than Ole Miss, but I think it's really close. I got Alabama at third after losing to Texas. Okay. Uh, Milrow, 255 yards, two touchdowns, but the two interceptions <laughs> killed them. Defensively, we're talking about this in the hour one. It's the Bama defense right now, though, that might have you a little bit concerned about I, where this team goes moving forward. I, I wish Ole Miss would play Alabama this week because I think I think Lane, I think they beat them this week. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they're susceptible to the deep pass again. And uh, they're just they're just struggling. Well, this will play itself out on the field week after next. Yeah. Uh, this week, a weird one for Alabama. They're they're playing at South Florida. Go Bulls! Go you Bulls! Know, recruiting two thirty game, and I, and I imagine it's one of them two for one deals. Recruiting somewhere. If we look back, they played twice there. I don't remember that, but uh, Saban's recruiting for the next coach. Hard to get a team, a good team like that, to come to your place twice and never go to their place. But it also gets Oklahoma, you know. They play, they they play this, this year. Did they really? yeah. they just play this last? They're getting them this year. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right, so I got Ole Miss at uh, the fourth spot uh, leading off. And they may they may very well deserve to be up there. But again, that will play itself out a week from Saturday. Ole Miss, 17th ranked, 2-0, beat Tulane. Best SEC win of the weekend. Uh, Jackson, uh, Jackson Dart, 267 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Judkins, like you were talking about, he's got to get going. 18 carries, 48 yards. They'll play Georgia Tech. I don't... Y'all don't know much about Georgia Tech. I haven't watched any Georgia Tech yet. That's no, one uh, of those that looks good, though. Looks, yeah. looks better. Well, we than, played an uh, ACC Austin team. Peak we played a power Carolina. Yeah. Well, they play <laughs> at Ole Miss Saturday night. That's a 6-30 game. LSU, they beat Grambling. Doesn't impress me much. Warm out 72 to 10. Jaden Daniels, 270 yards, 18 to 24. I think LSU is just really athletic. It's hard to drop them out of this uh, out of this top six or so right now until proven otherwise. They play at Mississippi State this week. I got them five. I, I yeah. agree with you. That's I, where I got. I them. got a question for you because I, I I asked Tommy this: Is it better for Arkansas? And I don't know if this can happen. Is it better for Arkansas if they lose in Starkville this week or if they win? I don't think it matters. I mean, it's that it's, it's, Arkansas needs way. to Arkansas needs to worry about BYU. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I I, I agree, and I, I think LSU's good. They're going to give Mississippi State their full focus and attention. They're, there's no looking ahead or looking back with LSU's schedule uh, at this point. All right, here's where the real debate can can begin because this last and sixth spot, I think, could go to to two or three different teams. I'm going to leave A and M in right now, move them down to six. Uh, after the loss to Miami. But if you wanted to tell me it was Auburn or if you wanted to tell me it was – I'd have a hard time saying it's Arkansas. But if you wanted to put Auburn in there, I could go with that after Auburn went on the road and won at Cal 14-10. I put, I put Mississippi 10. State. Mississippi State would be another one. I, I thought I probably that was a big emotional low. win. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, consider what they're trying to overcome with the loss of Leach. That's, that's a signature win for Arnett. Uh, getting five turnovers and winning a big overtime game at home. Y'all so, hear him uh, slip off in the postgame pressure, huh. dropped an F-bomb on the SEC well, Network with Cole Kublik accidentally. He's a football coach. Yeah, yeah. He's learning. But uh, I got A&M there, but it's, it's, I'm not wild about it. It's kind of by no. default. And you get to you get to this point, and, and they got UL Monroe uh, at College Station. That's a 3 o'clock game on the network Saturday. Then I put them in this order, kind of the, the honorable mentions. Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky. I probably got Mississippi State too low. After that Can home we take win, the pregame conversation between Terry Bowden and Bobby Petrino <laughs> that could be interesting. Uh, South Carolina, Florida, Vandy, and I moved Mizzou all the way down to last, even though Vandy lost to Wake Forest. Missouri has not looked good through a couple of games, even though they're two and zero. So that's kind of where I'm at. Once you get past about six or seven, it gets it's just uh, it's hard to divide them out. It's, yeah, it's it's not a banner start for the SEC. Really, no, they've not looked great. They might not make. The college football playoff this year. Their hope right now is Georgia or, I mean, I don't expect Alabama. <laughs> Georgia or Tennessee, maybe. Yeah, I don't expect Alabama or LSU to win out. They'd be really tough if they had to go through that stretch and, and do that to this point. But All this, right. 
so I'm sorry. So from the top, Georgia won, then Tennessee and Bama, Ole Miss, LSU, A and M make up the Pradco pyramid of power this week. You think I got Ole Miss too low? Yeah. Bama's too high. Yeah. A and M. Where you have A and M? I have A and M ninth below okay. Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Man after my own heart. Yeah. A lot of this will sort itself out. Like I said, Ole Miss, Alabama next week will sort itself out. There's, we're, yeah. we're, we got kind of one more week. Georgia or Tennessee, Florida this week's a, a good game and a real test for Tennessee. How you feel about that game as a uh, as a Tennessee fan? Well, it's, I think it's been 20 years since Tennessee's won in the swamp. It's going to be a tough game. It always is. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a close game. Probably a lot of nerves. Uh, probably a little more humid and warm than Tennessee's used to. So, you know, we'll get their best shot. Uh, should win, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be kinda, a tough one. If not now, when? When are you going to win in the swamp? If you, I mean, it's well, been a while. That, doesn't Arkansas feel the same way? Absolutely. You, you, need, to, you need to win this. I don't year. think Never won Florida's there. not going to miss on their next coaching hire. Uh, I think it's at least – I have the feeling that they missed on Napier – and we'll wait and see if they let him go after the season, midseason, or if he gets into the year. But I don't think they'll miss on the next coaching hire at this point. So is the die cast on Alabama, or is there still time and enough Nick Saban magic to turn this thing around? Well, you really – Milrow is what we thought he was. Are they going to pull someone off the bench, or are they going to come in and take control? That To me, that's going to be the game changer. What's the other guy, Tyler Buckner? Yeah, yep. Milrow is going to be what he is. He's going to be 50% pass, and he'll beat you with his legs. They're probably still good enough to beat eight out of ten teams on their schedule uh, from here on, uh, just being what they are. But that's not good enough at Alabama. They want to they want to win the rest of. Here was the concerning number offensively. I mean, we've talked about the Alabama defense, but team rushing for Alabama Saturday against Texas was thirty five carries, one hundred seven yards, no touchdowns. That's not an Alabama line. That's not. They didn't score until. Now, they got and behind and had to throw. But, but, yeah. but you got to remember, they're playing the Texas Longhorns and Sarkeesian's building this thing. I mean, they look good against Alabama last year. They almost mm-hmm. beat them this last year. This was in year. Tuscaloosa. I, I mean, understand. Nick Saban doesn't lose non-con well, games there. His first one, he lost in, what, 60-something? I mean... 57-2 and two now. Yeah. So. But to, to your point, if... Ewers is healthy that game last year. They win. Yeah. It's just, he gets held. You're not, Hudson Card's not going to beat Alabama. But I just and, think we have to consider the competition. Texas, it, as much as you hate them around here, they're for real. So do you think that we're jumping the gun on both LSU and Alabama with them losing to two potential college I, football players? I wasn't sold on LSU going in. The, I thought they were the most overranked team heading into the season. I, I, even though they beat Alabama last year, they lost Tennessee to forty to thirteen. They lost Texas A and M. I mean, there were games they didn't look good at all, and I, everybody anointed them. And I hadn't seen it. I still don't see it. Well, if Arkansas's passing game is potentially what we think it could be, and LSU has secondary issues, we know that. If Bama, if this isn't just a one-off for their secondary issues, you can score on this team. You might not be able to rush against those defenses, but you'll be able to move the ball up and down the field if you can get some good pass pro in Tuscaloosa and Brian. And, and Baton Rouge. You know what would be the worst? If the Pac-12 got two playoff teams this year. They look better than anybody. And then conference. it just ends. Yeah. <laughs> they get two playoff teams and they just... It's gone. Well, I mean, Texas and Florida State, they got... They got the golden path. All they got to do is just keep winning. I mean, right now, if you, we were talking about this yesterday, and tell me why Florida State or uh, um, Texas, either one wouldn't be there. Texas has an emotional game against OU. That'll be a tough game. And then they have a Big 12 championship game. Is it going to be OU again or Oklahoma State? I mean, so I, they got a couple of tough games. Florida State, I mean, just looking at Clemson, you think they ought to steamroll them when they play them, but – you know, is Miami good enough to beat them? They could be. Yeah, they could be. Where's that game being played? I don't know. I can tell you in two seconds. But uh, it'll be a home field advantage for Florida State, no matter where it is. So I guess it doesn't matter. They'll have more fans in Fort Lauderdale. They do play in Death Valley against Clemson, and they play at home against Miami okay. in Doak. So there you go. This is, but you know, I think it's as much as we enjoy the prominence of the SEC. I think it is good for college football when uh, when there's good teams spread out in other conferences. It makes it makes the rest of the landscape uh, a little more entertaining. 
The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Coach Sam Pittman met with the media yesterday, talked about a variety of things, including the new offense under Dan Enos. Now, I know the expectation is you're going to be a hard-nosed, top 15, rush the football team, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Here's Coach on the new offense. It's just a different offense. I think that's whenever you hire new coordinators, that's your biggest fear, that something that's worked well in the past doesn't anymore. You know what I mean? And we've had our trouble running the ball last two years at times, but we've been pretty consistent running the football. You know, I can promise you whatever the concern would be. No, that's not true because they're concerned a little bit more than me about different things. But the concerns of the fans, certainly, uh, I can promise you we want to win and have success as bad as anybody. I'm going to be honest. I don't really care if Arkansas rushes for 100 yards or if they rush for 300 yards at any point this season. As long as I see a W rather than an L next to the scoreboard at the end of the game, I'm a happy camper. Now, I know some of you would be a rather hard-nosed physical style team, which I get that. All I care about is them winning at the end of the day. Well, and that's the only thing that should matter is how do you get points on the board and you got a defense, and I think it's special teams that can contribute in spots this year. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable for fans to have certain concerns. And, I mean, you can hear the concern yesterday. You can hear it after the game Saturday. I think you'll hear it again when Coach talks with the media tomorrow about, hey, where we're at with the run game. He he said it in his comments earlier that we played. You got to run the ball to win. He knows that. We know that. Their opponents know that. Got to run the ball to win in this league. Yeah, the defense needs to continue to bring the pressure and do what it's doing, what it's been doing while we're figuring out the offense a little bit. I think that's, that's, and they have, I mean, six points against anybody. That's good. That's great. Yeah. He mentioned the press conference. Defense kind of bailed him out a little bit. He spoke directly to himself and defense is not first game. You didn't really hold the water because the offense did enough. Second game. You did be curious to see what kind of game we have in front of us on Saturday night because it was the offense that saved the defense in this game last year in Provo will be the defense that comes to the offense rescue this Saturday when BYU comes into town. It wasn't that long ago in the previous coaches era that a game like Kent State Saturday when it really was you know still in the balance early would have went the wrong way. So I mean we can we can talk and we can complain and we can pick and pry but I mean, we've quickly forgotten with a little, with a with a small measure of success. That's a game you you would have lost under under Chad Morris. Yep, Arkansas LSU next Saturday announced game time, six p.m. ESPN night game at Death Valley. We'll see how it shakes out. Of course, you won there two years ago, thanks to a Cam Little game winning field goal. Would love to see something similar happen this year. This game has been really close the last three seasons, decided by a field goal each year. I expect to see more offense in this football game next weekend, but either way, you're going to have to do it in one of the toughest, if not the toughest venues in college football, added value at night. Um, and your you know, weather conditions starting to cool here. Hopefully it'll be cooler there. I think that, that's a little bit of a trade-off. Yeah, you get the louder environment, but you're in the SEC. You're used to playing in those type of environments. Staying out of the heat of the day with a 6 p.m. start, I, I think we'll have some advantages, but I'll you know, we're seeing a cool down here. I'm sure they're seeing the same there and looked at the long-range forecast down there. But uh, um, night does have its advantages from that standpoint versus 11 a.m. when you'd be in the full 
full sun all, all game long. Don't know about Rocket Sanders' status for next weekend. I know he's not going to play this weekend, according to Coach Pittman yesterday. Dwight McLaughlin, his status looks like he might be able to suit up against the Cougars on Saturday. We'll get an update from Coach on that on Wednesday. Arkansas basketball got some good news yesterday. Jason Shelley is committed to the Arkansas basketball program kid that plays at link prep now six eight athletic wing uh, had offers to ohio state houston louisville and others originally from frisco texas now playing at a prep school not too far from here but the latest commitment for this arkansas basketball yeah, team. link preps up in branson so like i say not too far and they've they've kind of developed a little pipeline a little little uh little relationship with this program so uh, that that seems to be working out well so far. Another Texas kid. I yeah. know we talk about Texas football being important to this athletics department, but also high school basketball in that state. It's really good, and Musk has done a great job in recruiting to that point. Last thing here in your hog update. The fall classic is this Friday. So I know, again, some of you are making your way to here in Fayetteville this weekend. Well, if you're not, if you don't have plans on Friday night, 6 p.m. is the start of the annual scrimmage. It's free. So again, first come, first serve. Gates open at 5. Concession stands are closed, but you can bring in outside food and drink. Now, just to be clear, no coolers will be permitted in the main seating pool, bowl, but you can go out to the hog pen with your stuff. Well, and they normally get, and I think with, with uh, Friday night, people coming into town, there's not a ton of high school football in week three. Most, most teams have played 0, 1, and 2. A lot of teams are off. Um, so I think you'll see four or 5,000 there. That's, I mean, you think for a scrimmage, an inter-squad scrimmage, yes. I mean, I'm telling you, the hardcore Razorback baseball fans show up for this and, you know, 3,500, 4,500, something like that with good weather wouldn't surprise me at all the night before a home game. That's going to do it for your hog update this morning. Brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey Got a couple people texting in on the McClarty Daniel hotline that agree with you, Tommy. Some previous coaches that might have resulted in a loss based on how that game again, 14 to 6 is all you led at halftime, but ended up winning that game 28 to 6. You'd love to get that score differential up. Coach also talked about there were some passes on the third down that they had a chance to catch. They dropped and that stalled drives at that point. Yeah, Chad Morris would have trailed at halftime. He wouldn't have led at halftime. I mean, so I mean. Hey, you know, would you like to see a more dominating performance? Well, of course. You know, who, you know, Sam Pittman would have too. But I'm telling you, it's not been that many years ago that that would have slipped through your fingers with uh, with some previous staffs. Yeah. Got a uh, text here from Robert in Fayetteville talking about SEC football this weekend. So A&M is, is, is at a crossroads, I think, after their week two loss to Miami. We'll see what they do. They get Auburn in week four, the week before they play you in Dallas. That's a, in College Station. That's a really curious game to me. But what I, what I think is interesting is he brought up is what happens in Florida and Gainesville with Billy Napier. If the Gators let him go either midseason or at some point in the season and A&M's offense has success – would they take a chance on Bobby Petrino as their next head football coach? That's the well, question I mean, he's ma- wondering. Maybe at the end of the year. I mean, nothing's going to obviously change during Not the mid-season. year. But, but um, you know, I, I look at Florida's schedule, and if things don't go well this week and Tennessee goes into their stadium and wins handily, um, then they got Charlotte, Kentucky, Vandy, and South Carolina before the bye. I think they'd have to, to probably lose two of those three conference games. Uh, for Florida, and then they get the bye week, and then they play Georgia. Bye weeks are always when things aren't going well for your head coach. Those are always a place to watch out. They play Georgia, and then they play the Razorbacks. So, uh, I think if they lost two of those three, South Carolina, Kentucky, Vandy, yeah, I could see absolutely Florida making a mid-year change. So that would be interesting. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had, winning up to twenty-five times my money this football season. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go for more or less than their Prize Picks projection. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Find out all about it 
at prizepicks.com slash HTL and use code HTL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash HTL and use the code HTL for that first deposit match of up to $100. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. prizepicks.com, daily fantasy sports made easy. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Hear that call from Al Michaels right there. Hunter Henry also scored against the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. Christian, what else happened with Hogs in the NFL this weekend? Yeah, uh, Traylon Burks for the Titans. He had two catches for 18 yards and a 16-15 to loss to the Saints on Sunday. He was only targeted three times, so you'd like to see him start getting targeted more. And his longest reception of the game was 14 yards. Now on the defensive side of the ball, Dre Greenlaw for the 49ers. He had three solo tackles against the Steelers. Three assisted, so six total tackles for him. He also had a tackle for loss in their dominating 30-7 win over Pittsburgh. Cameron Curl for the Commanders. He had eight solo tackles, so a pretty good game for him. Two assisted, which makes ten total tackles. And also he had one tackle for loss and one pass defended in their 20 to 16 win over the Cardinals. He was really good all over the field. Uh, A guy that, again, got picked later in the rounds, but has been really, really good. All pro, too. Yeah, you mentioned Hunter Henry's touchdown catch. He had five receptions on six targets for 56 yards, and his longest reception was 13 yards. And his teammate, Dietrich Wise Jr., he had two solo tackles, two assisted, four total tackles. Uh, Hunter looked good. Uh, he's he's going to be a target of Matt Jones as long as he stays healthy this season. Uh, interesting connection. Mac, Mac Jones, his wife, and Hunter Henry's wife are friends. So I think there's going to be some rapport there, hopefully, that continues to build in Foxborough. But I did watch his touchdown. Yeah. I will say, I need to mention this. It's my fault. Hunter was on my bench this weekend in fantasy. Mm. I, I benched him for Evan Ingram, which was a mistake. Hunter, I am not benching you this weekend, man. You're going to play <laughs> in place of Evan Ingram. I like your chances to score, hopefully, again this week. Now, let's talk to Tom Murphy on the Morning Rush. Tom, I want to give you a round of applause. Your team's 1-0. Atlanta Falcons defeated Carolina Panthers rookie Bryce Young this week. And I know you're happy to see Falcons and Desmond Ritter get that first victory. Yeah, we don't need to spend too much time on it, but I'm happy. Desmond Ritter had a really nice QB rating, kind of like K.J. Jefferson, man. He had, he's got a really good QB efficiency rating. Let's start with K.J., they haven't been able to run the football without the threat of him the first two games. If you're an Arkansas football fan, if you're Sam Pittman and Cody Kennedy, is that a concern that you sh- you haven't been able to just hand the ball off and, and go to work against these first two opponents? Yeah, I believe it is. And it was probably the centerpiece of Sam Pittman's postgame and a, and a pretty good chunk of his Monday presser. Um, you know, what's going on? It's really a combination of everything. Um, it's a new offensive scheme. Um, you got a bunch of new <clears throat> offensive linemen. Um, and in the last game, you, you didn't have Rocket Sanders. So you have a lot of backs who aren't used to having the number of carries that, uh, say, A.J. Green had. And, I mean, I made the mistake of thinking that 
you know, they would blow through Kent State. I mean, UCF ran for a ton of yards on them, and I thought Arkansas would too. And all those backs would get a lot of uh, a lot of yardage, a lot of carries, and it just wasn't the case. So I I do believe it's a concern that because um, I asked Sam Pittman about it specifically. Were you surprised you had to run KJ so much? And he's like, Yeah, we had a, we had a lot a lot of runs in for him, but it was mostly short yardage stuff, like converting a, a third and two or something like that. But they ended up having to run him on a fourth down, and um, there were several QB in, end runs, you know, just to try to move the chains. And they didn't think they would have to go there for that game. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, fine tuning, cleaning up to do. Um, the 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 way they they the running back tracks that they take. There was a specific pin and pull that Rashad DeBenyon tried to bounce outside the kickout block when he really needed to be. You know, behind the blocks, see the kick out, and then and then you know power through where the holes created. So, yeah, um, there's concern. But you know, where would we be without drama? Every college football yeah. team in the country, there's <laughs> drama at some po- point, some part of their team. There's drama. So, for the Razorback standpoint, at least they're two and zero. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention on this game because BYU's in a better place right now than they were when the Razorbacks faced them last year. Yeah. So yesterday, Coach talked about run fits. Let's help the audience kind of understand. You touched on some of the issues with the run game there uh, in Dominion. Um, when he talks about run fits and getting that, that scheme right, uh, uh, give us some more detail on kind of the, 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 the nuts and the bolts he went into yesterday. Well, I mean, every run is just a chore- choreographed thing. The, every, the, 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 the linemen have their assignments. Where's the hole supposed to be? Are you turning a guy out? Are you double-teaming a guy? And And the running back knows how it's supposed to go. But if they kind of get ahead of themselves, um, specifically on this one particular play, a pin and pull, you're trying to get the uh, the edge guy kicked out and the running back cuts up inside it. And, you know, Bo Limber pulls and does his job. And I think Patrick Kudis pulled on this particular play and they kick out the end guy and you cut up behind it. Um, so there's tracks that you want your running backs to follow. And on some plays, they're just not moving any bodies. And when the safeties come up and fill, the safeties can go right to where the, the gap is supposed to be, and they tackle you at the line of scrimmage, and there's been a lot of that. But on the plays where you block it up right, you do want to go through where the hole's supposed to be and get the yardage that's available. And late in the game, um, Dubinian and A.J. Green did that, and they got four, five, eight-yard chunks on that last series. But as Sam Pittman himself said, the way we ran the ball in the last series is the way we kind of expected uh, to do it the whole game. And to make a long story short, the shortening of the games due to the clock rules and the way Kent State ran the clock, it was clever of them, but it, it put this certain pressure on Arkansas when they did not move the ball on their first three series that you know suddenly the game had tightened down um, and their number of possessions was less, and it added up to what you saw. And as Sam Pittman said, frustration by the Razorback. Yeah. Speaking of frustration, I watched the press conference uh, online. You were in the room, and one of those asking questions. It, it felt tense from afar watching it. Did it? Did it feel that way? Like he was a, a little testy with some of the uh, the questioning on Saturday night following the game. Well, he's obviously frustrated that they didn't score as much as they thought they would, and it just didn't. They didn't have explosive plays, and and in the past game, everything wasn't you know kosher, and um, so yeah, there was a there was a hint of frustration, and when when the, the questions are kind of repeated, is it the O lineman? Is it the fact that you're rotating O lineman so much? You know, why didn't you create any gaps? That you you could tell tell it was it was written on his face and in his body language that he was frustrated. Now Monday, he did a much better job. He went into. Uh, he, he was in a much better frame of mind. He'd seen he the went film into by detail. Then. Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he went into detail about why things were happening, and he understood. As reporters, we're basically asking questions about what fans have seen and what they want to know about. And honestly, the coaches are just as frustrated as themselves that they haven't just been able to blow holes open and have the kind of explosive run game that they've had in years past. And, and so, in a way, it, re, it it reflects what they're thinking themselves. And so, yeah, there was a great amount of frustration. We're talking with Tom Murphy here on the McClarty-Daniel hotline. One of the other things he added in the press conference is 
running backs got to break some tackles and they got to go to the right spot. And I think it's easy for us to blame the offensive line because it's just easy to do. Uh, Tom, what did you think about him and just no rocket on Saturday? So the expectations again, once fall on AJ Green, Dominion and Johnson this week. Yeah, it all works in harmony, right? If everybody does their job and there's a hole, sometimes the back has to make the safety miss or break the tackle. And there hasn't been a whole lot of that. So as much as we've praised this running back core, and it is a very good running back core, they're not in midseason form. Um, And I think when they get there, we're going to see a lot more shedding of that last tackle and and longer plays. And um, hopefully Rocket Sanders... Uh, the swelling on his knee goes down. They find out the issue, and he's he's rehabbed. I mean, I think it was a torn ligament or something. We'd know by now. It doesn't appear to be that. Maybe some kind of you know, ligament strain or what have you. And so in a couple of weeks, maybe he's back. It uh, doesn't sound like he might be ready for LSU, but maybe the week after. And then, um, you know, you want to see the running back at his core at its full strength but it's all part of the, of the deal everybody do your job and if it's part of the job for the running backs to break a tackle of a safety or a corner then then go do that do you think coach and cody kennedy rotate the offensive line this saturday night have we seen the last of that um you know it depends on you score the game and all that kind of stuff i anticipate a close game um, you know, Andrew Chamley earned his way onto his, to the starting lineup. Uh, Devin Manuel's numbers, if you look at pro football focus, are better than Andrew Chamley's. And um, Josh Braun's numbers are better than Tykees Crawford's at right guard. So I think you're probably going to see um, a little bit more concrete uh, fives. And that was another point of frustration for Sam Pittman asked about rotating linemen. I mean, no, they're not the only team in the country that's looking at a bunch of different guys, but it's been Sam Pat, Sam Pittman's um, game plan over the years to try to settle on five and, you know, rotate in here and there. But um, I, I do think it's going uh, to quiet down some, but these guys needed the experience. I mean, you gotta, you've got to see what you have, and that's one of the points he was making Saturday night is he's trying to find guys who can help him win. Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. While we focused on the lack of a ground game and offensive line play, you've seen a defense shine that's only given up one touchdown through two games. Now, you got to measure the uh, the competition. But, Tom, this this defense right now is, uh, has certainly given a little breathing room, a little slack in the, in the rope, if you will, for the offense. Yeah, they really have. I mean, they've been a turnover-forcing defense. And, and to the offense's credit, no, no turnovers through two games. KJ's got a nice efficiency rating, by the way. Even though he was off a little bit Saturday, he's got a good passer rating. On defense, they're rotating a bunch of guys in. You saw contributions from Jeff Coat. Uh, Derek Mason made the point on the broadcast that you know he didn't have any stats last week, and you know he was, you know he was feeling it. So he got uh, one and a half sacks, co-defensive lineman of the week in the SEC. John Morgan had a couple of big plays. Deshaun Stewart got back in there and made an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, when Chris Paul came in in the second half, you could see he was on a mission, and he made some big plays. Uh, and they did this all with, you know, Dwight McLaughlin contributing one snap. And so Keon Stewart, who I did not quite realize he was their number three corner, well, apparently he clearly is, had a decent game other than giving up the big the big pass. So they're, they're getting contributions, rotating a lot of guys in, and um, uh, it's been kind of fun to watch. Um, you know, when SEC play hits, there's going to be different levels of adversity. They gave up some uh, some drags to uh, the tight end in that game. And so that's on the linebackers, and they got to work on that part. But when they get down to the red zone, they seem to always find a way to, to get the stop, and they usually do it with third down pressure. They do, and the punctuation mark, obviously, in that game was the, the uh, goal line stand after Keon Stewart allowed the 36-yard reception down to the two. And it was combo stuff. I mean, I think it was like Torian Carter and Hudson Clark on play one, Chris Paul solo on play two. I can't remember on play three. And then, of course, Landon Jackson just blew by his guy on fourth down, and that play had no chance. So kudos to those guys. Um, they've been on point. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit – it's a turnaround from last year, and, and uh, it's, it's been pretty neat to watch. Pretty, pretty remarkable how aggressive at times that uh, Travis Williams has them dialed up. Absolutely it is. And, um, I mean, 
the 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 large percentage of our dialogue has been about offensive problems, run game, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and when you're not getting talked about, it's like when you're the deep snapper. You're not getting talked about much. You're doing well, and that's the Arkansas defense right now. I mean, people people are going to talk about them obviously as a whole. They did a really good job. Um, Kent State had a couple of decent drives, and of course, the one at the end. But the Razorbacks um, kept them off the field a lot in the second half. Tom, we appreciate the time this morning, man. We'll get more of a preview on the BYU Cougars this Thursday. Sounds good. See y'all. All right, Tom Murphy and all of our guests join us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Visit McClartyDaniel.com to find your next try. We'll hear from Coach a couple more times tomorrow, his Wednesday press conference, his coaches show tomorrow night that you can hear here on ESPN Arkansas. He also has the SEC teleconference. So uh, more to come Thursday with Tom, and we'll react more to what Sam Pittman has to say in the middle of the week. You heard Tom there, very complimentary of a couple guys on the defensive line, Deshaun Stewart coming back, Tree, Trish, and Jeffcoat, and some others. Here's what Coach had to say about his unit on Saturday. You, know, you got to get Nico in there somewhere, too, because he can fly and does some nice things. But Kiwi is a guy that is certainly we're talking about moving up to the ones. However, Jeffcoat had over 30 reps, and I don't think anybody else did. Now, the game was, you know, there wasn't as many reps, but most of them were in that high 20s. Now, Stu came in. He didn't have that many, but he was very disruptive. It's good to have him back as well. He was knocking people the line of scrimmage back. So again, it was a two-hour and 45-minute game. They did the four corners of football, as Coach described it yesterday, for Kent State just trying to run as many plays running the football as possible. But Kiwi Rose has been a good transfer player as well. Still got a year left, I think. A young man from, I say young man, he's an upperclassman from Louisiana Tech, but they definitely, coach called upon him to wreck some more havoc in game two. Seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, they did exactly that. Yeah, and um, like you said, limiting possessions, Arkansas had nine total drives in the game, two of those that end of the half. I think we focus a lot on that first half, uh, and really, you, you look at what Kent State did, and Kent State uh, controlled controlled the clock, and then uh, controlled the snaps. In the second half, Arkansas had over 20 minutes of possession and really uh, took it to him in the second half. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.